everybody. Thanks again for joining me here on Take a Knee. And so excited about today's message, especially as I hope it encourages you, especially in our times. I remember when I was a, a young man and during some of my summer breaks during my college years, I would drive home a thousand miles from North Carolina to Northern Michigan. And these trips were always in such a rush for me because I would literally finish my final exam and whatever the exam would be, that exam always I had to have just one on that particular day. And they might even do it in the afternoon. And I was so frustrated by that. Sometimes I would even ask if they would let me take it sooner. And sometimes they did so that I could get out the door and start driving. No matter what, it usually took anywhere from 16 to 17 hours to drive. And so I, as a young driver, always knocked it out in one shot. And so I remember one particular summer that I went home, and this was early, probably around 1984, 1983, 1984. And I had driven up and was having a, a wonderful summer. And I remember my younger brothers who used to love to swim in what was called and is called the Straits of Mackinac. And the Straits of Mackinac are located between the Upper Peninsula and the Lower Peninsula. If you've ever looked at the map and to look at Northern Michigan, perhaps you can take a look sometime. And you'll see this little strip of water that connects Lake Michigan to Lake Huron. And this little strait they call it the Strait of Mackinac, the Straits of Mackinac is a beautiful, just a beautiful area, especially right now. There's a bridge that crosses over. It's called the Mackinac Bridge. And it used to be one of the larger, if not the top five largest suspension bridges here in the United States. Now it used to be quite the uh, engineering feat for its time built in, I believe, 1958 or completed. And such a proud thing for our state then, which was my home state. And I would drive and just couldn't wait to get home to be with my family up there. And again, to enjoy a beautifully cool, wonderful summer, as opposed to North Carolina, 100% humidity and 95 degree days. I was so looking forward to 72 breezes coming from Canada and swimming for endless hours at a time. And so my brothers would go out to the Straits or what was really more on the Lake Huron side and where they were living at the time, right there on the water. After work, I would have a little part-time job that I would do working with my stepdad. And after a long day of hard, sweaty work, I would throw on my bathing suit immediately, grab a towel, and I would run down to the waterway there, the Lake Huron. But the thing you got to know about Lake Huron is how cold it is. And it is cold. Now, it's not as cold as Lake Superior. You can get potentially killed with that kind of cold water. We know it as hypothermia. This is not as cold, but it's pretty cold. And I want to say it could have gotten down to 68, 65 degrees. And that's pretty cold in the middle of the summer when you've got a 75 degree day and you're jumping into 65, 66 degree water. But for me as a young man, I didn't care. I loved it. It took a long time to acclimate to it. But once you did, it was wonderful. And me and my brothers, we would just goof off and play in the waves until it started getting dark or it was dinner time. But I remember one time they had introduced me to one of their rites of passage. And that was to swim out into Lake Huron off of a particular point that was near where we would swim. And you would swim out to this enormous boulder 
that they had called, or at least the neighborhood kids had, for as long as they could remember, called Gungi. This massive rock, probably about 100 to 150 yards off of the point. So as you would look out there, you would see waves breaking over the top. And that's what made it so odd, is because you would see the deep blue Great Lake water flowing in the Huron. And I'm telling you, this was some absolutely gorgeous places to swim. The water just beautifully clear and clean. So you'd see this water breaking over the top of this boulder. So this boulder obviously was big enough to be able to slightly break the top of the water. Now, if Lake Huron was relatively high, and it could be, depending on the snows of that winter, the Great Lakes could be a little bit higher. But if it was lower, then you could actually see the top of this rock, which was shining really brightly white in the sun. So it was very intriguing as you would look out there and just see like the image of something just under the water. Now, again, looking from the beach, it wasn't that ominous in the sense of it almost looked like it could have been like a berm or a sandbar. But my brothers would say, now, David, you got to swim out there. And as you began swimming, if you know anything about the Great Lakes, it gets deep pretty quickly, especially in Lake Huron and what they would call the Straits of Mackinac. So even though we were in a bay, you didn't have to swim very far out before it got way over your head. And I'm talking 15, 20, 25 feet deep. Now, I love to swim and I considered myself a fairly decent swimmer and at the age of 21, 22 years old. But here are my younger brothers who were just making light of it like this was nothing. So they started out. They said, this is the day you're going to do it, David. So we went out and uh, started swimming. Of course, you know, the deeper you get out there, you're looking down and you can see that the shelf of sand dropping off really quickly. And again, these waters are very, very clear, very clean. Not these muddy lakes, as you would imagine. You can see down easily 15, 20 feet and see rocks and boulders down there. So as I was going out and getting deeper, I remember thinking, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? But I just kept on swimming. And the boys told me, they said, look, you just got to keep swimming because eventually you're going to be able to stand on top of Gungi. And it's only like knee deep there if you stand on top of the boulder. Now, I had no idea what this was going to be because I'd never done it before. But I remember them looking at one another and kind of smiling out of the corner of their eyes like they had something sneaky that they were going to expose me to. <laughs> so I knew, knowing my brothers, that they had something planned. So as I was swimming out, we were going out. And of course, you know, when you're not a swimmer, and you're not swimming all the time, you know, your swimming muscles begin to get tired pretty quickly. Once again, you know, I was pretty confident, young man, everything was going fine. And so as I get closer to Gungi, I remember dipping my head down to just see, I was curious, what was underneath the waterline? And I got to tell you right now, it absolutely frightened me. It scared the mess out of me. Why? I'll tell you why. Because I began to swim up on this, and underneath the water was the biggest boulder that I've ever seen in the water in all my life. And swimming in lakes and the Great Lakes and various places, even in the ocean, by that time, you came, and as you got closer to this thing, it almost took your breath away. I almost wanted to turn around and start swimming the other way because it was a boulder but it didn't look like a boulder. It looked like some enormous monster sitting underneath the water, getting ready to eat you. 
And so the closer I got to it, I noticed the other boys were just swimming away, getting closer. In fact, one of my brothers had gotten ahead way far ahead of me and was standing on top of it. And he was just looking back at me with a big smile on his face. And so I had no choice. It was either, you know, turn around and I was already exhausted. So I needed to get to Gungi, which would then save my life, of course, because I'm exhausted. Got to get to a place where I can rest. So I'm swimming closer and closer to this thing the whole time. I'm just panicking. But I keep my cool together, mainly because it's my brothers who I know that are there already. So there's that sense of... Okay, well, they're not doing something that would kill them. They must be safe. So I kept on swimming, kept on swimming. And sure enough, eventually, as I looked down below me and, and tried to even ignore it, I could see this massive shadow being cast by this boulder. So I swam up on top of it. And on top, of course, it was kind of pockmarked. I can't even describe what it was made out of, but it wasn't granite or anything like that. It was kind of more of a sandy type stone with all these little divots in it. And I remember standing up on top of it and looking back at the shoreline and how far away it was. And here I was right out there, literally right out in the middle of this bay or really off this point, looking back at the bay, standing in knee deep water and watching the waves come up over the top. Now, again, this is a great lakes. It's nothing to play with. And the waves were probably good three to four foot breakers out there. And so it was an amazing experience. And I remember just thinking to myself, I can't believe I just did that. I learned so much about that experience, which is why I wanted to share that story with you today, is because there are times in our lives when we are introduced to something that is larger than life, that is bigger than our experience, that is scarier than we can imagine. And we're never prepared for it. As much as my brothers told me, in fact, they held a lot back from me because they wanted to see my reaction. Nice brothers, huh? But when I got out there, I remember standing on top of it. Of course, there's that first sense of elation and, wow, I conquered this thing. And the boys were looking at me and I stuck my fist up in the air. I've conquered Gungi. Gungi has been defeated. Of course, then I got to swim back. But I tell you what, swimming back was not a problem at all. Not only, of course, was I going with the waves, but... Gungi was behind me. <laughs> I'm swimming for safety. Quite a different experience. But folks, when you think of life and how there are the Gungis that come in our life, they just do. And perhaps we've been sitting in a situation right now in history where we just seem to be getting more and more of these out of control and these news reports and things that we just can't make sense of, whether it be of a virus that is mutated and is getting ready to come again, or mask mandates, shutting down your small business or interrupting your life. If you're like me, you're very, very, very tired of all that mess, especially when we look back and realize that so much of the things that were perpetrated, that were pressed upon us as human beings, that were just not true. And even to see people that you trust perhaps even love, that were impacted with such great fear and such great control that it really made you angry. I know it did me. And I've talked about this in this whole thing in our podcast before. But apparently we're sitting here again at the starting gate of another potential ramping up of fears. And if you've been reading the news or listening to the news, it's slowly but surely beginning to try this mind game on us again. 
And I tell you, I hope and pray for you that you're not impacted by this. In fact, that you will be strong. Why? Because you've already faced Gungi. You know, the first time around for us, we didn't know what a pandemic was. None of us had lived in a period of time in history to ever experience this kind of thing. It overwhelmed us. It was like a tidal wave. It was so huge, it took our breaths away. And so we complied very quickly because we didn't know. If you were like me, we were all checking the news to see how many people had died, only finding out that so many of those numbers were not true. They were elevated, inflated in ways that were just unethical. And so now we can look back and we can look at Gungi. We can look at this situation and realize, you know, fool me once, right? <laughs> Pull these things on me one time. But now so many of us stood on top of that rock. We stood on top of Gungi. We defeated it through courage and through pressing through. And whatever, you know, your decision was as far as vaccines were concerned, whatever your decision was and how you locked down or didn't lock down, whatever your decision was, you know, I'm not here to judge at all, but I am here to challenge you. I am here to challenge you to realize that, you know, things seem a lot bigger and scarier from a distance. And when you're not familiar with something, if it's not been a part of your experience, then it can really take your breath away because you don't know, you've never experienced it before. And so I'll tell you, you know, did I go back out to Gungi again? I did. In fact, I think I went out there several times because I was like, you know what? I got to experience that again. That was so amazing. In fact, those kind of thrill experiences, sometimes you become a thrill seeker. It makes you feel alive and that extra cold water swimming out way over my head. In fact, I look at it now and I would never even let my children do that. <laughs> it's a good thing my mom didn't know. But again, when we think about what's happening in the world today, we need as believers to get on top of this. We need to get on top of this. We need to get on top of the reality of who we are and what Jesus has done for us. Sometimes we just got to keep on swimming, push through the fear, push through the shadow and get onto the solid rock. Because in the end, you know, this Gungi rock had been sitting there for who knows how many hundreds and hundreds, maybe even a couple thousand years, just sitting there since, of course, the glaciers dug through and created the Great Lakes. Could have been there that whole time. Maybe it was even bigger at one time. I don't know. But when I think of that rock, I think to myself, you know, I could be afraid of it or I could conquer it. I can swim up to it, get on top of it, hold my hand up in the air and say, you know what? Gungi did not defeat me. And so there are those things in life where we have to decide whether we're going to let them get us or whether we're not. And so I want to look at some verses here today to finish as a way of encouraging you and preparing you for the ramping up of the fear factor that's coming your way. It's already in universities and some government situations where the masking is being released and boosters are being mandated for some people. And so we've got some decisions to make. But let's read Psalm 91 and let's think about all of this as we read it. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I'll interrupt myself with just little comments. Verse 1, you know, God is someone to be feared. But you can either fear God and fear the things of this world, or you can see the shadow that comes from the fearful God as a place of protection. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. 
Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. That's pandemic for all of you out there. Verse four, he will cover you with his feathers and under his wings, you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. In other words, God will never abandon us. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A lot of talk on that, isn't there, in Psalm 91? A thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. That's a verse you need to remember. It's a verse you need to memorize. A thousand may fall at your right side. In other words, there may be dark things that are happening in this world today. But for those who trust God, they will not come near our tent. It won't come near our life. Are you someone who's willing to claim that? I hope you are. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked, because there are going to be people who are going to be punished for their wickedness. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You know, Satan quoted this verse to Jesus to remind him that he could throw himself off of the pinnacle or wherever the high place that he was at. And Jesus said, no, you're not going to tempt the Lord your God. But it is a promise. It's still a good promise. We just don't test God with this promise. We just believe it can be ours. They will lift you up, the angels will in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. Boy, that is a great promise. You know, I often think about why bad things happen to good people. And sometimes I think there's not enough bad things happening to bad people. I'm sure you're with me on that. But at the same time, what we see here is God saying, but for those who love me and trust me, he's available. He's ready to move on our behalf, to protect us, to come to our aid, to rescue us, and to help us walk on the heads of those things that could potentially destroy us. What does it all come back to? Well, he tells us a secret right here, doesn't he? Here is the secret, my friend. He says, he will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. A prophecy of protection. Here in Psalm 91, what a tremendous promise from God. But as so many promises, they're there in words until we open them up and believe them. So there are gungies in life, and I know you can think of a few. Perhaps you've had some situations that have really frightened you go have happened in your life, places where you felt alone or cut off, whatever the case may be. But the truth of the matter is God is there waiting for those who will cry out to him, who will trust him to protect us from the evil day, from those things that can strike out of nowhere, like the battle or the arrow that we don't expect or see coming or the pestilence, the plague that we can't see or touch or know or understand. We can trust God. So with this last thought, the truth is, my friends, how we have to live our lives is proactively. We need to live proactively so that we can assume that the days of darkness are going to come. They will. The days of challenge. But you know what? How much of the protection we receive are from the things we will never, ever see. In fact, we'll get to heaven 
And an angel will walk up to us and say, hey, you have no clue how much I protected you from. I really believe that's going to happen one day. And we're going to be overwhelmed at the reality of how much God really did protect us from the pestilence, from the arrow, from the poison, from the scorpions and the lions and all the different things that can waylay us as human beings or even believers. Well, my friend, there are gungies in this world, but you know what? We can conquer them because all they are is just a rock after all. God bless you. You all have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time.